California. What's up, everybody? It's Tuesday, September 1st, 2020. This is A Talk in the Attic. I'm your host, Kirk Ross. As is customary, I'm writing and will ultimately record today's episode in the actual attic, which I'm so close to completing. Come on, Kirk, say it like you mean it, and maybe it'll be more true. Let me try this again. Today's episode takes place in the actual attic, which I'm so close to completing. So close, in fact, I can taste it. For real, I can literally taste it and feel it and smell it. Lord almighty, can I smell it. The it I'm referring to is rough sawn pine, and holy crow, is it aromatic. Imagine dense stacks of rough-cut boards ranging from 8 to 13 feet in length, each hanging on to as much sawdust as it possibly can. Almost 500 square feet in total, and if that quantitative description doesn't do anything for you, then try this one on for size. It's a ton of wood. But I tricked you because a ton is also a quantitative description, isn't it? In this rare instance, however, idiomatic hyperbole and statistical relevance overlap to create a single truth. I'm surrounded by a ton of wood. Literally as an almost 2,000 pounds and figuratively as an hot damn that's a buttload of lumber. The overwhelming scent of these boards is too much to ignore. It's all around me. This cloud of olfactory artifacts reminiscent of sawmills and lumber towns and barroom floors. I mean, how am I supposed to talk about anything today, folks? But wood. Did somebody say wood? I did. Today we're going to talk about wood. A topic exactly nobody has been clamoring for in over 200 years, I know. But before you skip to some other podcast, maybe one talking about something a little bit more exciting than wood, just give me a chance. I guarantee that you'll laugh. In fact, you might even cry. And if you're too cool for tears, just say it sawdust in your eye. Let's start the show. Ooh, hot sand on toes, cold sand in sleeping bags. I come to know that memories were the best things you ever had. The summer shorn, beat down on bonehead back. So far from home where the ocean stood, down dust and pine bones. Wood is in the air, and so that's what we're going to discuss today. I mean, where to begin? There's so many sayings out there about wood, aren't there? (laughs) Knock on wood, but the woods are full of podcasts about wood. See, when someone says the woods are full of something, that indicates that numerous failed attempts have already come before this one. And while my words are strong as oak... I'm still just a babe in the woods when it comes to writing comedy. In this particular case, though, you've come to my neck of the woods. And while I didn't know that trees even had necks, the saying says otherwise, and it's in this case that you've come to my tree's neck. Here's one. I've heard that fields have eyes, but the woods have ears. So wait, now trees have both necks and ears? Whatever you say. If the woods have ears, then at least this particular wood up here in the attic got picked up to be part of a recording studio. I mean, lots of great talks and great music all around this wood. Then again, just because wood can hear doesn't mean that it necessarily likes whatever I'm making up here. What are these jokes, puns? I don't know what they are. Now that I think about it, if the woods have ears, then a tree never really falls without anyone hearing it, does it? Some of you might be thinking, well, technically a tree wouldn't count as anyone, more like an anything. And to that, all I have to say to you is, look, this tree has ears and a neck. I think it counts as an anyone. 
Others still might be thinking, is this dude really going to do a whole show on wood? But I'm already bored. Bored, you say? As in B-O-A-R-D? Please don't. So far, I think this episode is a hit across the board. When I woke up this morning, I thought I'd had an idea, but it didn't turn out, so I went back to the drawing board. Not to be confused, of course, with a sounding board. And while we're on that subject, why is it that a sounding board is good, but an echo chamber is bad? And going overboard is a huge problem, yet we're always making sure that others are above board. So you want me to be above board, but you're mad when I go overboard? Sure, I've been onboarded a few times, never once realizing that my very being on that board positioned me both above board and overboard. On the same day that I'm on board, confusing. I have a propensity to go overboard as it is, which leaves me searching for a prepositional relationship with said board that doesn't put me in a bad spot. Lord knows I don't want to be under boards. That's like being in a wood jacket, aka a coffin. So I don't want to go overboard, and I definitely don't want to be under boards. So I guess I'll just stay bored? And if you're bored, then I might be up a tree here. Might have myself in a bad spot. Or you just might be out of your tree, you nut job. Then again, maybe I'm barking up the wrong tree. But we need to figure out what's really going on here. So if you don't mind, let me figure out a little bit more from you. Pardon the pun, but let me shake your tree. The green plastic watering can For a fake Chinese rubber plant Remember when people used to say, go climb a tree when they were really mad at somebody? Of course, nowadays, if someone were to tell you to go climb a tree, you'd gladly accept the command. Go climb a tree right now? Okay, cool. At some point throughout history, we started telling combatants to go do more sexually explicit things. Go climb a tree was replaced with go F yourself. I guess that's another example of being told to do something that doesn't really sound so bad in practice. And while we're on the subject, if you don't mind me asking, have you ever masturbated in a tree? I haven't. I hope I'm not being too nosy with all these questions. Of course, being nosy has been described as going between the bark and the tree, which is just an incredibly cumbersome alternative to saying, stay out of my business, but to each his own. Going back for a moment to up a tree, which means to find oneself in a troublesome spot, here in the U.S., we'd never want to be up a tree, particularly if we were told angrily to climb up there. But in the U.K., top executives are thought to be at the top of the tree. Maybe there's a lesson in this transcontinental mashup of idiomatic confusion. If you're already up a tree, then F it. Start a company. Doesn't really make a ton of sense, actually. I heard somewhere that a tree's wood is also its memoir, which I guess it's true, but it seems like a tree's wood is also just a log. Just a log, which we as humans often imitate, don't we? At least when we're tired enough. We've all been there, right? So tired that we sleep like a log? Makes total sense. Logs simply lie there. So why then do we have to go to such humiliating lengths to call someone lazy by saying that they're acting like a bump on a log? And is it even true? Ever? 
if sleeping like a log means complete inactivity, then sitting there like a bump on a log is actually quite a bit more ambitious than sleeping like a log, isn't it? At least for me, whenever I've been called a bump on a log, I was actually quite busy. Watching TV, eating, thinking about what I'll eat next. So then it only serves to make sense that a bump on a log is actually the hero of the log. And have we ever considered that maybe, just maybe, the so-called bump on that log is actually the ear that we just found out it had? Hey, log, if you can hear me, answer me this. What's the difference between logging on and logging in? How about logging off or logging out? When something's super simple, we claim it's as easy as falling off a log, but that analogy doesn't ring true, really, does it? Frankly, I've rarely found myself on top of a log, unless, of course, you count the time that I was up a tree, in which case falling off that particular log wasn't exactly easy. Would be nice, though, wouldn't it? Finding yourself in trouble up a tree wouldn't be such a big deal if getting down was as easy as falling off a log. Speaking of up a tree, I think I'm there without any idea of how to get down. I'm stumped, honestly. Guess I'll just branch out to today's lesson. For this little story, we'll be putting away the wooden puns and traveling roughly 50 miles north to the center of Macosta County to an Amish-owned and operated sawmill. My father-in-law, Mark, had brokered a great lumber deal with Daniel, an Amish mill operator, in his early 30s. Honestly, I don't know for sure. He looked about 30. Daniel has six children, ranging in age from four up to 15, maybe. And what an incredible operation Daniel's got going on over there. Mark and I pulled up with our windows down. The sounds of their antique saws filled the truck cabin. We parked and jumped out to head up to the barn where Daniel and a couple of his kids were building a beautiful wooden shed. The weather was idyllic, 85 degrees with clear blue skies and a nice country breeze blowing across the farmland. And from the moment we exited that truck and headed up to the barn... I felt almost transported, back a century at least, before we all became so connected, before we got so busy keeping up with one another's comings and goings, back when we could literally just unplug and just exist. Exist in the place you're in without some wanderlust for greener pastures. Exist with the people you're around without trying to grow the party. Exist as you are without anxiety about what you might become. As we approached the work area, an adorable little farm dog excitedly made her way up to me until she was about four feet away, of course, at which point she made herself even less aggressive than she had already seemed putting her head down, pausing, and looking up to me as if to inquire, Hey, is it cool if uh, I come all the way up to you, mister? I responded with a smile as I kneeled down and called her closer. Clearly, this old dog, who I later found out was called Sally, was ready for some love. After all, Daniel and his family were likely busy working long hours on the farm and at the mill, so hanging out and petting Sally's belly was likely and understandably low on their list of priorities. Whatever the case... Sally was eager to please and was really enjoying my love. Something about seeing this old Amish dog enjoying some love set against this particular backdrop and the picturesque weather to match was just so relaxing. 
Daniel showed us where our lumber was sitting. We gave him a little bit of cash. We started loading up the truck. Of course, Sally the dog made a few more attempts at getting full-time attention from yours truly, and I obliged, but only half-heartedly, never really mustering the same level of loving affection that made our initial encounter a few minutes earlier so special. I see my redhead mess bed, tear shed queen be misqueeze. Probably just another one visit would buy her and out of my life, she might have thought, as the dog lumbered around looking for love from one of the new two little kids who had shown up, coming out from the main house to see who was visiting from the modern world. These two little ones appeared to be twins, probably five or six years old, one little boy, one little girl, both adorable, both wearing formal attire and coordinated teal colors, both with little hats. Great looks, if I'm being honest, albeit a bit hotter than I could have handled on this steamy afternoon. We thank Daniel for the lumber and the hospitality, wave goodbye to the twins who looked at us in awe, almost smirking at us as we approached entry into our big, horseless carriage. What a wonderful experience. One that felt even sweeter when my one-time sweet thing, Sally, came hobbling up to me for one last petting session before we parted ways. I see my redhead mess bed, tear shed, queen be misqueeze. I gotta tell you, I gave her all of the positive energy I could in those final belly rubs. All the good vibes I had picked up from that beautiful experience on that surreal antique farm with those kind, hardworking people went right back into Sally the dog. Because it didn't feel right leaving that peaceful scene without putting an equivalent amount of energy back into this family whose traditions I knew nothing of. I mean, who was I to swoop into their little archaic paradise, feeling all proud of myself for simply leaving my phone back home for a few minutes, only to steal away with their vibe or aura or energy or whatever it is I could feel that day? This whole experience with Daniel and his family and Sally the dog helped me remember a time when our lives were less ambiguous, when we lived in relative closed systems with a few people and a few things and that was it. When the energy we received from the elements around us was reflected back at said elements, creating a kind of closed-loop process that rewarded its cause with only that which they themselves put in. Imagine back to the days when a great meal was served, and our first instinct wasn't to grab our phone for a high-def photo, but instead to draw a deep breath of its aromas into our lungs. Back when rather than texting our friends about how delicious the pizza was, we actually thanked the server, maybe even sent compliments to the chef. These days, it seems like we're doing a lot of energy looting, though. And I'm as guilty as the next guy, by the way. Hiking over a beautiful mountaintop isn't really anything to me until I'm able to snap a picture of it with my phone. Hearing the wilderness reverberate off a canyon doesn't count until I'm able to capture some sound bites. The value of a solar eclipse is equivalent to the value of the video of the solar eclipse, but these aren't right, are they? Maybe we need to leave the positive energy that we receive in whatever place we received it. The sound of waves crashing onto the shore? Have a conversation with it. The overwhelming smell of rough sun. Pine? Breathe it in. And breathe it, <coughs> breathe it out as well. Goodness gracious, is it strong. A beautiful sunset? Don't soak it up. Reflect it back. Shine it onto your loved ones. And for crying out loud, don't snap a pic of it. It might only seem like a few megabytes of photogenic posterity that will just take a second, but it's so much more than that. We've only got so much energy to give, after all, so it would be wise to keep that energy within those things which matter most, those closest to us. An original poem to close us out. 
We entered the forest as infants with our eyes as our lanterns, but our flame burns scarce with depletion as a threat. So keep your flames close. We're not out the woods just yet. Peace out, y'all. Things like this ain't built to last. I might just fade like those before me. When will you forget my past? Got questions, ask you, know the stories. And you need to let me know when you're leaving where you go. Then I'll come. Yeah. Even if you don't, that'll get you wrong Do I, do I, do I love Can I, can I, can I get enough Run away, love, hate, love, heartbreak will have you bankrupt Too many days in a day, better wake up I put your face in a place where the space was Nobody make you feel like you are And you don't know you should do You just looking for someone to make you more old Tell me